Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Work. I'm so glad you're here. Before we get started, just want to give you a real quick heads up. If you're somebody who likes marketing or personal branding or things like that, if you're someone who's like, I, I'm a writer and I would like to, uh, I'd like to be able to do more writing or maybe I could turn it into a side hustle or you love photography or you love making videos or you think you'd like to make a podcast. I have a personal branding workshop that is coming up. It is something special that I've put together. This is definitely not a how to do social media type thing. This is a big picture brand strategy. We talk about everything from, um, you know, podcasting and, uh, and video production and stuff like that all the way down to just being an associate veterinarian and building a clientele, bonding clients in the exam room, and how to really use your business card, which is super valuable and way underused. So it's all about building a brand and building relationships around an individual. It is on March 28th. It is through Uncharted. I'll put a link in the description. I would love to see you guys there if any of this sounds like it's of interest to you. Now, Without further ado, let's get into talking about my guest. Dr. Sarah Boston is hilarious. She is uh, one of the funniest people I know. She is a veterinary surgical oncologist who is an ACVS board-certified small animal surgeon and an ACVS founding fellow of both, both surgical oncology and oral and maxillofacial surgery. She uh, has written a book. It's called Lucky Dog, How Being a Veterinarian Saved My Life. And um, it is it is good. It is the funniest book about cancer that I have ever found. We talk about it a bit in this episode. She is also one of the uh, creators of The Cage Liner, which is a satirical online newspaper for vet people. If you don't follow The Cage Liner, you should. It'll make you laugh. I, I like it on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. And so I, I am a fan. I am a fan of Sarah Boston. Uh, she does stand-up comedy, and she's very good at it, and she is super smart. So together, we get in and we talk about comedy and the role it has in vet medicine and making medicine better. Let's do this thing. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Sarah Boston. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to see you and hear you. Well, it's good to, yeah, the hearing part is important uh, for this yeah. medium, but yeah, it's good to see you and hear you as well. How have you been? Oh, I've been great. <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, spoiler alert, I'm not great, but that's yeah, okay. Right. I'm be great every day. Oh, no. I have not every, seriously not, not great periods that I go through. Yeah. I will tell you. Yeah. So just letting everyone know, some days I'm not great, but I'm I'm better now. That's good. That's good. You know, it's um, it's like uh, it's like when you're going, man, things are getting better. That's a great place because when you're like, they're really great. I always have the stress of like, where does it go from here? <laughs> it can only go down. Because everything's temporary. Everybody always, yeah, exactly. That's a very a Buddhist thing to say. It's very true. <laughs> Everything is like a flowing stream. So man, we're gonna talk today a bit about comedians in vet medicine and comedy in vet medicine and how the two tie together and why there are those of us who um who love who love and do comedy uh while we practice sound good that sounds amazing good it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to think about it is well, you, i don't uh, have that many people to talk to about it except you well 
Well, there's maybe a, a couple of people. There's a couple of us. There's a couple yeah. of us. Um, you did a stand-up comedy competition for CBC in 2019, and you were like a top 10 finalist, correct? Yeah, that was kind of crazy. How did you decide to do that? Like, what did you? Uh, why why were like you like? On, it's not like an online thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's step further back. At what yeah. point did you, Dr. Sarah Boston, oncosurgeon, decide? I think I'd like to do some stand-up comedy. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so, okay, going way back, okay, I had thyroid cancer, then I wrote a book about having thyroid cancer, but it's actually funny. It is, it is funny. It's called Lucky Dog. I do highly recommend it. Um, it is it is as funny a book about cancer as you will find. It's, <laughs> it's, so like, a low, it's like a low it's so, bar to step over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't always like it's about cancer, but it's funny. It's funny. It's funny cancer book. So... I don't know. I think that just got me like that just kind of was really organic. It was just kind of like I was going through having thyroid cancer and I was like writing and then it just sort of like I just I did get really lucky because people are like, how do you get a book published? And do you have an agent? And I was like, oh, no, I just met this guy. <laughs> I just met this guy at a gala and then he like hooked me up like that's <laughs> So just do that. If you want. Hey, guys, you want to get a book published? That's it. That's all you got to do. When so, you go to the vet schools and they ask for advice, you're like, I'm just, I know. I'm just I'm like, they're like, did you get an agent? What did you do? And I'm like, I just met a guy. So I didn't even know who he was. That's the funniest thing. He's like a famous guy. I didn't know. Well, anyway, that's what happened. We were two-stepping and I was like, oh, like, what's your last name? Then I realized, oh, he's, oh, he's actually like, he's actually a big This deal. is his gal. Anyway. He owns this museum. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, so just do that. And then, okay, so you just do that. And then, and then, so, but then once I had the book published, I was like, I really love comedy writing. Like it was really about the writing. Mm -hmm. And then I just started taking all these on, I was in Florida at the time, uh, Gainesville, which I don't know if you remember, not a lot of culture there except football. Sorry, Andy, but it's true. Sorry, Sorry, Gainesville people, but it's true. Like there's just not a lot of arts. Okay, That's I'll buy fair that. Statement. I mean, if you're not into, yeah, if you're not into whittling, it's probably not a lot of art. Like God, guns, and football, which is all fun, you know, whatever. Do what you, do you do you? But anyway, so I was just doing all these online Second City courses of like writing and sketch mm-hmm. comedy, and late night writing and onion writing, and then I moved back to Canada, and like Second City is like here, it's right in Toronto, and yeah. then I started taking classes there I took improv and then I learned you could take stand up and I was like what and then I just fell in love with stand up so okay that's a long so it was like cancer book writing improv stand up that's how it went no so yeah (laughs) it it, it, it sounds crazy it it makes total sense to me right so like here's here's what I've kind of found Uh, one of the big things for me is comedy is a different part of your brain Right. Like science is uh, science is is very much this piece of your brain and comedy is close enough to science and how and how we learn medicine. I think that you're good at it. Like you've got those muscles and this is a different way to use them. So so like bear with me if people go, well, you know, Sarah is an oncosurgeon. It's a highly technical work. And I would say especially like stand up comedy when you're doing comedy, that's highly technical work, too. You know, like there is there is a hook and there is a punchline and there is building anticipation and there's misdirection in how you get people to lean so that then you deliver a punchline and they don't see it coming. And to me, 
it is it is highly technical work. I mean, there's uh, there is an art and a science to to joke writing, for example. And so I, I think that a lot of us who like systems, like I think that's it for me. I'm very much I always yeah. like biology. I've always liked systems, how things work, how they go together. I, I think that there that's true and that's true in in comedy. And then the art of practice. I think there's very much an art to comedy. You know, two people tell a joke and it works for one and not for the other. I, I think I think that there's a I think there's a lot to that. The other part yeah, I guess I would I say. Think- I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. Uh, the other part, I guess, I would just say is, a lot of us ha- we love to continue to learn and try new things, and so the online courses don't surprise me at all. You start doing that, and you're like, I, I, I think it's I think it's sort of the academic mindset of I want to get better at something. What, what course do I sign up for? I'm such a nerd. Like I can't even be a cool comedian. I I can't. I like show up at comedy. You know, everyone's like, they're like, well, first of all, they're half my age. Like yeah. And then I'm with you. I have I have typewritten notes because I type, you know, I bring, you know, everyone's got these like ratty notebooks and you can't like you can't even know. And they're and I will not like read my notes on stage. Anyway, like, I'm like the biggest comedy nerd ever. People are drinking before they go on stage. And I'm like, oh, I would never do that. I'm like, you know, like whatever. Anyway, I'm a ner- like I'm a nerd. I just am a nerd. So I'm going to be a nerd. You know, I'm going to take classes about how to be a comedian because yeah. I'm just that much of a nerd. <laughs> Well, I'm okay yeah. though. I mean, I embrace my nerdiness. That's good. It's it's also the advantage that we have. Like, yeah, we're twice their age, but we actually have some resources because we have we have good jobs as opposed to all the unemployed twenty something comedians. So it's like I can pay for this. Like, oh I, yeah, I, and well, and there was an element uh, of that, like you know, because you do comedy and they try to pay you and they'll give you like twenty bucks. You know, you do a show, yeah. and I I felt like I felt kind of like kind of like a I don't know if I can say that on your show. I'll just say like a jerk taking the money because I was yeah. like, I don't need this money, you know. And so what I started doing, but I didn't want to be disrespectful to the fact mm. that they're trying to pay their comics. So I just give any money I make doing comedy, I give to Jane Goodall Foundation because I love her. So I just like oh, that's awesome. any because I just I didn't feel like it was right to keep it. But I didn't want to. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't want to be like, I don't need your money. Like, uh so, yeah. but there was comments. He would make comments because, like, I won the last time I did live stand up before the lockdowns and stuff. I won a competition and I got like fifty bucks. And the guy giving and he's like, "Oh, this person won, and she's the one who needs it the least." <laughs> like, I oh really? Oh, oh, and I was like, "Well, I give it to Jean Goodall." Like, I sorry, <laughs> sorry for the winning. winner. The <laughs> winner of the fifty dollar jackpot, Doctor Sarah Boston. <laughs> I know, but I anyway. <laughs> I don't do it for the money, Andy. I do it for the, the fame, you know, the no, glory. Yeah. I know. So he's like, anyway. No, no, I, no, I, I trust you. I get it. I, um, I, I told you, like, I, um, I'm a big believer in third spaces, right? Like, I believe everybody in that medicine should have a thing that they do, where the people at that thing do not care that you're a veteran. Yeah. That, like, I think that the, I think that's a healthy thing. I, I, yeah, it's like. Okay, it doesn't have to be. Any, I don't know what it has to be. It can be whatever you want it to be, but I think there should be a thing where it's not work, and it's not home, and you go there, and the fact that you're a doctor does not factor into what is happening. And people may know, but they don't. They don't really care. I, I think that that is like a key part of unplugging and feeling like a real person who is more than just a doctor. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when I first started doing stand up, I didn't even say you know, that I was a veterinarian. I never brought that in. I was just this random, you know, middle-aged woman doing my comedy, talking about middle-aged woman comedy stuff. And then I started bringing in some of the vet stuff and people really responded to it because, 
you know, I don't think we realize this because we get so bogged down in the negativity, but people love veterinarians. Like when you, you know, get on stage and say, oh, I'm a veterinarian, people clap or they're excited, you know, and then, and then that's always a good setup to talk about how some of the public are so mean to us. And, but I've done some comedy about that. And like, you know, comedy that I'll do for veterinarians about how people are mean to us. And then they, they're not surprised, but when I do it and sort of talk about that, to like an audience that's not not a veterinary audience like I've heard people gasp when I say like people say we only want money and I'll sort of set up jokes like that and I've heard people gasp because they can't believe someone would say that to a veterinarian and I'm like every day like yeah every day you know like I'm like it's so weird yeah so yeah so I kind of bring it in now but like a little bit into what I'm doing and then you know I I really want to do stand-up for veterinary audiences but it's it's harder now because of the pandemic but oh yeah I mean yeah well, I will tell you, uh, everybody is watching lectures on Zoom and like, you know, getting their CE by webinar and good God, having a funny presenter is amazing. <laughs> you know, like not, not to knock other people, but if you got to sit and just watch a webinar, please God, let it be funny. Like just, you know, it didn't take a lot, it didn't take a lot, but it, it makes such a difference. If you can make people laugh, I think this is honestly, so in all the lectures I do, if I can make the audience laugh twice in 50 minutes, like it's probably good talk. You know what I mean? Like they will, they will probably leave and go, that guy was funny. Or that was, that was really worth my time. It doesn't mean I'm doing 50 minutes of comedy because I'm not, I'm very much talking about, you know, the, the thing that we're here to talk about and what I've been hired to teach and to train. But, um, but if I can make them laugh twice, they would say that was enjoyable and I learned the thing. And so it just, it means a lot to bring it in. You know, there's a lot of study. And so, of course, I do bring the geeky, you know, like I want to do comedy, but I always want to bring it back to the profession. And so, like, I have a few, I guess, goals or like bigger picture things in mind. And so one of them is just because I do a lot of lecturing um, and you you learn if you are expressing an emotion. It doesn't matter what it doesn't actually matter what type of emotion. But like if you tell a really sad story that people are sad and they connect with that and. Um, or if you, if you make people laugh, like it's just, they'll retain it better. So like mm-hmm. teaching students or veterinarians or anyone, like you will retain that information better because you've sort of twigged on an emotion at the same time of trying to teach something. So I'm sort of, I'm trying to bring it back into that as well. And then my other like kind of big picture with comedy, which I think you do this too, but, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm the, actually I'm doing this, I'm doing this like in a month. And so now I'm just saying I'm outing myself, but I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about wellness from the perspective of like how to be well and be balanced and have all the balance. Cause you know, I, I just, I'm not the best person to talk about that, but I do have like a wellness kind of aim with the comedy because I think we can get so bogged down in the negativity and like a lot of, a lot of things that happen are really actually, if you can just get out of it for a second, they're actually really funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I, I think that a lot of the comedy stuff is, um, it's sometimes you have to laugh so you don't cry. Um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, it, it is that it is sort of breaking that tension. I mean, so so say you're in the vet clinic and there's this client who comes in who's just horrible to everybody. If you can crack the right joke, you can break that tension and everybody laughs. And there's this there's this wonderful bonding feeling of oh, you guys saw that too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the only one like, oh, she was mean to me, but you guys saw that and thought it was absurd. And now I feel OK, you know, and there's there's great good you can do. And there's 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 biting humor that you can do that's, you know, takes people to a negative place. But but you really can 
you can break tension. You can bring people together. Sharing a joke is important. Like especially the best the best vet clinic comedy. I'm a big believer is the inside joke you have with your team. And I don't mean, again, not a negative joke or anything, but just something that your team says and does. And it's because it makes people feel included. You know, it's like, it's, this is our special thing. This is our experience. And, um, uh, you know, and it kind of, it kind of brings us together as a group. So I think, I think, I think teams having goofy things that they laugh or sayings that they use to each other that they know, I think that's a good thing because it does help to bring the group together. Yeah, and I think even more like the Cage Liner, which was my satirical online um, veterinary newspaper, like that's been one really cool thing about it. Like it's goofy and I know sometimes, you know, I'm trying to, try to <laughs> I try to have two headlines a week. I'm doing it by myself now. I try really hard. It's like, cause I'm a nerd and I'm like, this is my assignment. I got to get it done. And so sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't. And that's, that's also comedy. But when I make a joke that like people in Australia or or the UK are like chiming in and they're kind of feeling it because they, every, I'm like, we're, see, we're all connected. You're not alone. Like you're not, you're not the only one who this client just crapped on. Like you might feel like it, but like someone in Australia just had the exact same experience. And I'm always amazed by, even if you go across the species to the large animal colleagues that we have, like there's a lot of really similar feelings and experiences that we have. And some of them are really crappy, actually. A lot of them are really crappy. But if we can just, like, I always take a step back. I'm like, well, what's funny about this, you know? I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are. Like, they really are. So. Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the keys of comedy, right, is is resonance. It's, it's somebody saying a thing when you're like, I thought I was the only one who thought that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that is, like, that is the best joke is when you have a thing that you have felt or you have thought and you thought you were the only one who thought it and someone else says it and the whole room laughs and you go, Oh, I'm not the only one you had a, you had a headline in cage liner recently, just, just to pull a random example. And it was like veterinarian fulfills lifelong dream of seeing patients while owners wait in parking lot. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, I just, it was so dumb, but it just made me laugh because, and I know that across the country, veterinarians saw that and went, <laughs> like it was, Oh, yeah, that I just, one it was just a sheer thing. Crazy. Yeah, because I think we all felt, you know, and I know some people are like, no, I miss my clients coming in. I'm like, well, I don't. <laughs> like, if I have to do one more rectal exam in front of a client and hear some of the stupid things they say, I'm just like, no, like, I no, just no. Like, well, I'm sure you experienced that, too. I think I, it's I mean, why veterinarians don't do rectal exams. because They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with like, oh, I, this. OK, like, oh, he he likes it like his daddy. Like, no. <laughs> no, just get out of my exam and go back Don't. to the car. Go. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I very much enjoy people every now and then. It is real nice to just say, this is the bet and I'm doing the work and I'm going on. Like, no, always, but like, we all, we all had that. I don't care how much you like your patients. At some point you looked around and said, there's kind of, there is something kind of cool about this, this whole curve. Yeah, yeah. Like global pandemic aside, but yeah, it is kind of cool to just focus on your patient. And, yeah. you know, cause I, I think for me, like, I don't know, I hate admitting it, but that's, I, I love that. I mean, yeah. I don't hate admitting that, but it's like the client to me is like, sure. Well, you know, great. If they're nice, great. If whatever they're, it's like, whatever, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to make best friends with my clients or, you know what I mean? I'm just happy to be with the pets and I don't know. That's just me. 
people are probably going to, I don't know, they're going to say bad things about me now. Oh, well, yeah. that's okay. No, no. I, I mean, I, no, I, I, I think that we've, I think we've always, I think we've all been there. It's kind of like, um, we talk about gallows humor and like, I think most vet people have a fairly dark sense of humor in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think most of us have a dark sense of humor. And I, th- I think it's a coping mechanism in a lot of ways, you know, we deal yeah. with death and we deal with sad things and, um, you got to figure out how to, how to deal with those things. And so, uh, you know, sometimes just a dark humor really is, uh, is a way of releasing that, te- that tension, you know, yeah. I, th- I think that's, I think yeah. that's where, so here's another way I think medicine and comedy go together, right? Um, the way, the way you, the way you make people laugh is you build tension and then you release it. You know what I mean? You tell a story and they go, where is this going? And then you surprise them. Right. And you break that tension. And I feel like a lot of medicine, like we're busting our butts and we work hard and there's this sort of this tension and that tension releases something that we look for. And so I really do feel like that's why when you make people in vet medicine laugh, they appreciate it in a way that other people who are just kind of punching the clock, you know what I mean? Or kind of just messing around. I don't, I don't know that they, I don't know they feel that stress relief or that tension relief like people in vet medicine do. Yeah. And there's some good evidence. Like, you know, I think it's coming, it's coming in the human side and medicine and, and a little bit in veterinary medicine is like the need for humor in veterinary education and the need for humor in kind of our day-to-day lives, because we, we kind of need it to be resilient. So there's, I don't know, it's coming. I feel like it's coming, but like there, there is a need to find the humor because otherwise we are going to, we're going to break, you know, and some people mm-hmm. are breaking. And so like, I, you know, I feel that and, and that's why I do my silly cage liner stuff. And that's why I really want to do vet comedy because I feel like it's what I can do to help, you know, the, some of the, the crisis that we're in with our profession. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I can tell everyone like, you know, get sleep and do yoga and do this and, and be balanced. Like, cause I, you know, then someone could follow me around and be like, you're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't feel like I can really speak about that with authority, but I feel like, well, if, can I just, can I just connect veterinarians? Can I make them laugh? Can I make them realize? And, and I think the biggest thing for me is like to say, you're, you're not alone. So like my new silly project has been reading bad vet reviews because I decided to go into TikTok. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. Well, I'm just proud because I have like, teenage nieces and a, and one nephew and I think they might think I'm cool now because I was like I figured out TikTok. <laughs> it was really hard I, it was like unnecessarily hard and I'm like 15 year olds do this like surely I can make a TikTok video but it was harder than I thought um but I'm re I'm just reading bad vet reviews because they're so mean Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. I know. Oh. And I think people think they're all mine. They're, they're not all mine. I'm just Googling. I'm just looking through and I'm just finding the one star reviews and like they're mean and they're dumb, mm-hmm. but they're really funny. Like they just are. They're just really funny. And like, I mean, sometimes I have to take a step back from looking for them because they're, they are so mean. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and but they're, I, so yeah. I, I saw when you did that and, and I saw the, I saw the, the one star vet ruse. I am not. I'm not, I'm not, I am not on TikTok. Uh, I saw it on Instagram. It comes through, but, um, I, I thought it was hilarious. And it's like, I, I love, I love the reading bad reviews because vets take that stuff so personally. And I don't, 
blame them, right? Like when someone writes a review of you, it's hard not to take it personally. And there's just to to your point, like the fact that Dr. Sarah Boston goes through and reads out one star reviews, like they are they are ridiculous when read out loud. And that and, and it's good because it puts these things in perspective and says, Man, there's angry, untethered people writing these reviews. And it's just good for everybody to remember that because I think we imagine the most stable, rational people in the world attacking us. It's like that's not what this is. That no. that's the person with uh, you know, that's the person eating a lollipop in the Walmart parking lot, uh, who's yelling at you. Like that's not that's that's not the lady, you know, uh, that you love to see come in the doors at the clinic. Like these are uh, some mouth breather who's who's just tearing you apart. Like that's yeah. I mean, and a lot of like there is a sadness there, and I haven't quite figured out how to make this part funny because you know if you look, I don't recommend you do this, but because it's depressing. But like if you just look through, if you just start looking through Google reviews of veterinarians, like there's themes, right? And mm-hmm. it's always and this is what we hear. This is the narrative that we always hear. You don't care about animals. You just care about money, which is like, we hear that all the time. We hear that from client, like we hear it, it's on the reviews. And like, I don't know how to combat that. I haven't quite figured out how to make that super funny because it's not funny. Obviously, like maybe there's things we can do as a profession about that. But I think that's just going to be there. You just have to kind of accept that. But then some of the some of the reviews, it's like, you know, I think if you constantly have people saying you're using too much jargon, you know, you could just take that as constructive feedback and mm-hmm. be like, OK, I, that's a thing you can work on. You know, um, there's a lot of reviews I notice like, you know, the arrogant, arrogant, arrogant. That's not mine, by the way. Just saying that's just I've noticed a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's usually male veterinarians. They'll say that they're arrogant. I just notice that, you know, and I'm like, well, if 10 people say you're arrogant, like you might want to. Think yeah. about how you're presenting yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, but if totally. one person says it and they're just angry because they don't they don't have money and they you know they're, they're just attacking that situation and it is sad when people don't have money and their pet's sick like that's really mm-hmm. sad. Um, they're gonna have to blame someone and you know. But anyway, yeah, no. So I've been trying to do that because I I noticed like just the shame associated with people getting bad reviews and I've seen yeah. people communicating on like Facebook groups about like this happened and I don't know what to do and. They tend to pull them down and block the name. And I, I think they should leave them up. Like, I think that person in your community who's being crazy, like, I'm like, no, leave their name up there. Let their clients see that. That's probably someone's teacher or someone's neighbor. Like, they can shame themselves. And, you know, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I think yeah. we tend to pull it away. And we're like, I don't want anyone to see this about me because it's so bad. And I'm bad. And we're all, I think we're all nerds, you know. So anyway, I'm just going to keep doing that on my TikTok channel. <laughs> I, I, I very I very much like the idea that um, it, it takes away some of the uh, some of the shame. I think we do need to I, I really truly think we need to destigmatize getting slammed in Google reviews like it's going to ha- if it hasn't happened to you, it will happen to you at some point. I don't care how good you are. You, like the, the cards will go the wrong way. Uh, someone will be upset about something that you that's out of your control. And the, and they will take it personally. And then, no, that does not mean that people don't have legitimate concerns. Like you said, I, I love the way you say. If ten people say you're arrogant on the reviews, that's probably something you should work on. Um, but I I do think that destigmatizing that I think is good. And I think it's because veterans care so much, so that when you know when someone goes on and bashes you, most of us don't have real thick skin. I think I think 
I bet as a profession, we're getting thicker skin. And I think we're going to have to get thicker skin because I think this is sort of going to continue. But I, I do I do think it takes away some of the pain for individuals when they look up and go, oh, you guys get this, too. And everyone's like, yeah, we get we get this, too. Yeah, it's just a yeah, it's just a thing. And I think Emerge Vets get it maybe worse because you don't have a, they don't have a relationship. Oh, I, and there's I completely not like, agree. you know, a ton of visits to, you know, like, you know, if you had, I don't know, two years of visits with a client and it's all gone well. And then one time, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you had an off day or they had an off day and you just didn't have a good interaction. Like they probably will forgive you. Um, but yeah, an emergency vet, they're just this monster. That's this really intense situation. It's really expensive and they don't know you. So they can just, just attack you. So that's yeah. the other thing in the reviews that it just cracks me up. They'll give these one star reviews. This, I just find this hilarious. And they'll be like, I've been going here for four years and I hate it. I'm like, it is not prison. Stop going there. Like, go to a, like what? Why do you keep going back? Like, what? I don't like. I just, but I At find some it. Point it's on you. It's like I, I despise this thing. I eat it every day. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh no, that's. I think so. I think you nailed it. I think you put your finger right on the three things. Uh, I think I, I am firmly convinced that emerge vets get it worse than anybody. For the exact reasons that you said, people who come in are emotional coming in, like highly stressed out. It is expensive. Like that's just emergency medicine. Like it's not lost on people that's twice as much as their regular doctor. And it has to be, but yeah. it's not like that. It is expensive. Period. And then the last part is I, they never don't know this person. They never seen you before. They never see you again. Like and like they are just like I am so mad and angry and scared and ashamed and guilty and you know I I let my dog run out of the house into the road and I feel yeah. awful about it and I just yeah. have to. I just have to destroy something to feel better. And it's going to be Dr. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. There was one. So I'm going to do this one. I'm in my newest video. I just found yesterday. It was all about this guy sitting there with his cat. who was sick. And then the, he was like angry because they were seeing other, you know, other pets before his cat. And he's like, so if someone else comes in, he's like obviously writing it while he's sitting there. Cause he's so angry. And he's like, if someone else comes in and their, their animal is, is sicker than mine, then they're going to see that one first. Is that how this is? I'm like, <laughs> yes. yeah, how this that's works. exactly what's happening. And he's like, hire more emergency vets. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I wish but I thought of I that. I, I just think it, yeah, I just, I find it hilarious. And I find like veterinary medicine's absurd a lot of the times. Like it is absurd. And, and if, so that's why, that's why I just think it fits really well with comedy. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Like, what is just what you're saying? So the guy is like, hire more vets. Well, like, that seems like a very <laughs> sensible idea on the outside, and it's really hard for us to defend ourselves against that critique. We and the profession can all laugh because we know the reality. And so a la- us laughing is the best defense against feeling awful that this guy is angry. You know that on the yeah. we can't control. Yeah. Yeah. So I so I, I I do I love that as I love that as 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 a plus for uh for comedy. I um you know it's funny I think that um I think that the vets have this we have this benefit uh the the thing you have to be careful about in comedy in vet medicine and this is it, it's this I actually really like this a lot and I have to think a lot about it right in comedy you always want to punch up. You know, you, you, it's okay to laugh at something or make fun of something yeah. as long as you're punching up. 
And so uh, when I do, when I make videos, um, I will totally make a video about how the doctors tick off the technicians. You're not going to see a video about how the technicians tick off the doctors. Like, that's not funny. People don't like that. It's not, you know what I mean? Because then yeah. you get the doctor crapping on the technicians. And like, that's not cool. Nobody wants to see that. It's not funny. But it's very much that that power dynamic. And it's funny. Um, inside vet medicine, like, if we make fun of the, of the clients, it's the powerful doctors who have all the power and all the control and who are the, you know, the, the caregivers punching down on the poor clients who just want to get care for their pets. And we look awful, but it's yeah. funny when you go out onto stage and you talk about this group of, uh, of, of, you know, of mean people, like the group of mean people who are mean to their doctors, suddenly it's poor Dr. Boston and this big group of mean people that are mean, you know, and so the, the, the dynamics just shift and then it feels just fine because you're saying it's not everybody. We love the vast majority of our clients. There is this group of people who are mean and, um, and it's just it's just always fascinating to me of like, when is it OK to to laugh at these things and when is it not OK to laugh at these things? And you really have to think about it. And it, it's funny that some things that will get laughs in the clinic will not get laughs with pet owners and vice versa. And it's just it's always it's always something that we have to kind of roll around. It's one of the reasons I actually it's, it's, it's one of the mental things I enjoy in vet medicine is, is this funny is it, you know, and if so, why? And is it not funny? And if so, why? And and I just think a lot about that and the power dynamics that are there all just kind of make it interesting to me. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I do think about that a lot because I don't want to be mean to clients and, and uh, you know, because definitely, definitely not. And I, I think that's a, I just had a, I'm just, you're just making me think about a case I saw this week and it was a client who, I, I know, I don't really know what she was struggling with, but like her dog had a, a chemo abdomen, a splenic mass and a pyometra and yeah. liver masses. And so we were, we were talking to her about surgery and, and she just was, she was like, you can take out the spleen, but you can't take out the uterus. Like this was the conversation that we were having. <laughs> and I was like, you couldn't even really get to why. And like, I mean, I just, I don't know where she was coming from. It was a very strange conversation. And so then I ended up just saying to her, like, this is not an a la carte situation. Like you, <laughs> And my colleagues are like, you said that? I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, you know, and she's like, it's my decision. And I was like, no, it's your decision to go to surgery or not. It's my decision what to do in surgery. And if you don't want me to be your surgeon, that's fine. Like, that's okay, you know? And I think that's an important lesson in veterinary medicine too. But anyway, she talked to the criticalist like the next day and she goes, that Dr. Boston, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> <laughs> and I really find that funny, but I'm not trying to make fun of her. I just, you know, I, but, but I was, I didn't think she was understanding anything I said. And then I was like, oh, she got, you know, she obviously got, the, she got the gist of it. Yeah. She got it, you know, and I, I, I went in hot cause I was warned what she was like, but I, you know, I don't talk to all my clients like that, but I also, it's also just funny. And I think also for that critical care doctor I work with, like she just needed someone else to be on the phone and be like, like, you need to, talk. I need another person to to have this experience so that I can share it. You know what I mean? Like, and so that shared experience is important and laughing about it is really, I think it's needed, you know? Oh God. Yeah. So oh, I, I, I find the most enjoyment in my job comes from when I laugh like at and kind of with, and with the clients at the same time. Like, for example, I had this dog yesterday is a Boykin spaniel with ear infections and his name was Bobby Lee. 
And so Bobby Bobby Lee was like this two-year-old boykin that was not bad, but he was completely wild. You know, like he would not be restrained in any way, shape, or form. He never tried to bite or anything, but he was just completely wild. And his, his dad was walking down the hall going, Bobby Lee! Bobby Lee, you, you come here, boy. You walk on this leash. And I came in and I talked to him and I said, Bobby Lee does what he wants to do. And he goes, Bobby Lee is the leader of the pack. And we have a leadership problem. Like that. And I, I about fell on the floor. Oh. That is pretty amazing. People make me so happy. Like, I yeah, just, no, I that is excellent. So that is that is excellent. But yeah, no, we got, I think laughing with clients is great too. I mean, I do a lot of cancer surgeries where their right. animals, their faces look different. And I just tell people, I'm like, you're going to have to have a sense of humor about this. Like your dog is not going to look normal. Yeah. You know, pick a Star Wars character. I don't know what you're going to have to do, but just you're, you're going to have to roll with this because yeah, you know, the dog doesn't care. They don't care what they look like. So you, well, you've got to find it. Let's break that down for a second, right? Because that is it. So here you're an oncosurgeon and you're talking to these people about what their pet is going to be going through. And it's like you can quickly say, this is not funny. This is this is deep, heavy stuff. And it's emotional stuff for them. And they're going to question their decision. They're going to question, they, they, like, am I putting my pet through this? And your ability to come in and say, we're gonna, you know, we're going to laugh about this. And, you know, and and it's going to be okay. And you take some of the scariness away from it with some humor. Like that is a beautiful use of humor. And I, and I, I think that's a great, uh, like a great superpower of vets is if you can make things less scary by, you know, by, by turning a smile about them, I think that that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I think the clients like it too. It it helps build trust and it helps because they're so tense when they come in. If they're, you know, if they're coming in and their dog has cancer and it's a big surgery, I mean, there's so much tension. So you've got to find a way to, to break it. Um, you know, I'll tell them to make up a breed. Like, I'm like, just make up a breed. And when you're at the park and people are saying, what breed is that? Like, make up some weird breed. <laughs> And then they'll, they, they, you know, they're, they're really good clients. They'll come back to me and be like, I, this is the breed. And or they'll say it's a cross between a bulldog and a Labrador retriever. I'm like, perfect. Tell people that, you know, and, and, uh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, the, there's that stinky group of clients that we, that are mean to us, but I mean, hashtag not all clients, lots of our clients are great and we can also use humor to connect with them. And I think that's important. And there actually are some like studies in human medicine where if you have, you know, physicians trained in humor, they actually will get better histories from their, from their patients. And I think that will transcend for us too. Like it, it just builds trust. You know, if you can kind of come in and be relaxed and have some humor about things, um, it does build some trust with your clients and give them the ability to, to kind of trust you and, and open up to you. So we, we build trust with real people, right? Like we don't build trust with people who pretend to be robots or people, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of times you see doctors, you see technicians, and they're, they're professional to the point of being, like, superficial. Yeah. And I think, I think that if you yeah. – I think that you can't do that. You can't be professional to the point of superficial and make someone chuckle. Like, you just, those two things are mutually exclusive. And so, so, you know, when you make them laugh or you show them that you have a sense of humor, it's, it humanizes you. And I think that makes you easier to, to trust and buy into. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, I, I would say every veterinarian, not everyone will, but taking an improv class, like 
even if you don't want to do improv or you don't, you're not interested in comedy, like there's, there's tons of evidence that that helps your workplace, helps you communicate, helps you listen better. I know you're, you're much more into improv than I am. So you can probably speak to that more, but like, I feel like it would just help us as a profession if everyone would just do an improv class, how you get along with people in the clinic, you know? Yeah. I love, I, I think, um, I would love to see, and this never happened and I'm not really proposing this, but at the same time, I would love for uh, for vet schools to have Im- like an improv yeah. class along the way. Yeah, and it's it 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 makes you think outside the box. It makes you respond to things that you are not expecting, and that's the exam room. It yeah. makes you get really good. So the basis of improv, you know, is agreeing with the other person and the reality they've created, and then still adding your stuff to it. And like, guys, that's the exam room. Like when the pet owner comes in and they say, well, this is what I want to do. And you say, yes, that is a thing (laughs) that people do. And I think in some cases that might be a good idea. And in this case, I think we should maybe move away from that. And here's why, you know, um, that is that is it's a soft skill. But I got a lot better at it in improv. And it really is that I'm thinking on my feet. I don't know what this person is going to say. I need to hear what they say, process it, accept it, and then move us in a productive way that is not shutting down what they just said, you know? Um, and that that is the core skill. And you just practice it again and again and again when you're making up comedy improvisationally. And, and it's, it is the exam room. The two things that I have found, like, hobby-wise that have been the most valuable for me as a veterinarian that I would recommend to every veterinarian. And one of them is much more hobby than the other. I did Toastmasters International. Have you ever, have you ever heard of Toastmasters? I've heard of it. I don't know that much about it. It's a it's a public speaking group. And so a lot of people are just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, it's, it's a club. It's a hobby thing. And you go, and when you want to, you uh, give a short speech. And they have a, a series of speeches. And you're supposed to tell a funny story. You're supposed to teach people how to do things. You're supposed to sell them something. You're supposed to make all these different kinds of speeches. And then you get feedback on what you did. And they record you. And they count the number of ums and ers that you say. And it it is actually – it is a fun, interesting thing. But there's nothing as far as communication that has helped me as much as doing that for a while. And then I went from that into improv, which was a lot more fun and freeform. Um, but uh, but those those two things together are the two things that I have done that have been genuinely fun and have had the side benefit of making me much better at my job. Yeah, I can see what you're like. I mean, there's something performative about the exam room, right? Whether we want to admit it or not, but there kind of is, right? Like you're you're you you can you can guide where things are going to go and mm-hmm. and where the appointment's going to go and and you you're like you can be really tired but when you go into the exam room you've kind of got to turn yourself on and be smiling and like you know kind of go through that and and kind of give your energy to them but not too much of your energy you know and so i think yeah i mean i i think improv is amazing for that and I, and then in the, in the back working with working with other people right and trying to yeah. trying to get along with everybody so it, I mean, it helps. It, I mean, it helps build, you know, a great team atmosphere. But you know, I'm I'm not shy about it. The exam room is theater, and yeah. I and I I just straight up call it that, and I train with that. It's like this is theater, and I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, you could just sit, and I could just talk to you about comedy and examine a cat in my lap, and I wouldn't miss anything. You know what I mean? I've done it literally thousands and thousands of times. I'll find that thyroid lump. You know, I will. 
you know, but it doesn't look, but when I'm done, you wouldn't even know that I had done anything. And then when I charge you $60, you'd be like, what is what? He just sat and talked to me about comedy and held my, and petted my cat, you know? And then $60, like it doesn't help me build trust by just being quiet and efficient. What builds trust for me is putting on the show and I am, you know what I mean? And I am removing my stethoscope with a flourish, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, tell me everything that goes into this cat's mouth during the day and don't leave anything out. And they're like, Oh God, this is, this is some serious stuff. And part of it is I really want to know. And part of it is I want them to know that I am fully engaged in what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I think it should be part of it's starting to be part of human medicine curriculums at some some medical schools. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of my interest in comedy is like, can, how do we bring this back to our veterinary students, you know, to help them with their communication skills and their resilience? And yeah, and, and also not to, like we're such science geeks. Everything has to be a certain way, right? Like it has to go this way. And I think something that veterinarians struggle with is like, it's like, no, it always goes this way. Well, guess what? Sometimes it doesn't. Right. And now what are you going to do? And I think if you don't have that kind of like that improv, like one of my, one of my lecturing circuit fantasies is that all the tech breaks down and I have no, nothing, no, nothing, no slides, maybe not even a microphone. And I just have to talk about whatever I was supposed to talk about. I think that'd be way better talk. Oh, I've, I've given up PowerPoint slides, honestly. And granted, this is a pandemic. I'm not kidding. Listen to this though. Um, I, I, I have largely quit using PowerPoint slides. So I, I know, like I have my outline and I, I'll even have the slide deck, but I won't put it up. And because when you turn on, <laughs> you're laughing, I'm like, I'm serious. That's great. Um, it, I, I want to do, like if I'm doing a virtual presentation, I want to do it on Zoom and I want everybody to turn their, ca- their cameras on because yeah. just talking at a screen is awful and I can't see anybody and I get no feedback and I don't know if they think I'm awful or I'm funny. And like, if one person is chuckling on the screen, I'm like, I'm doing okay. At least for one person, I'm doing okay. And like, I want that positive feedback. So I'm getting, get the slides out of the way, get everybody else on there so I can see your faces and we can laugh and, uh, and talk. And then the big thing that I have really loved doing is I geeked out, I bought an iPad and I will dial in my iPad into the Zoom and I will use iPad to share my screen. And then I draw on my iPad. And so uh, it's like a flip chart. And so I will just draw on this thing. And I've got colored markers. And I, I don't know if it's better for the audience. It's a heck of a lot more interesting for me. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, like, I really enjoy it. And, and I would say, um, especially with the cameras and stuff on, like, people ask questions. And I will just be like, we're going to do that now. And I've been, granted, I've been speaking for 13 years at this point like I can tell you how to deal with angry people like I do it all the time I teach all the time and so this is another way of like next level of being like what do you guys want to talk about all yeah. right I'm gonna yeah. what questions do you have and we're just gonna break those down now but god it is so much more fun and like here, here's the other thing too I, I know that telemedicine is an interest of yours um I really feel like as we have gone online, right, and we're doing these virtual things, one of the worst things that you can do is use virtual tools to try to recreate a live in-person experience. Like, that's dumb. That's like, it's like filming a rock concert, you know what I mean? And be like, look at this excitement. It's like, it's not the same as being there. It's not going to be the same as being there. Make a, Instead, make a documentary or a movie or something that's meant to be filmed 
and then present it as something that's meant to be filmed and viewed on a screen and you'll have a better thing. And so uh, for me, like, man, if everybody's on, on here online, let's let's talk, let's share screens, let's communicate, let's do stuff we could never do in a conference hall. And like that stuff lights my fire. And I think that's the other thing that that just jazzes me up about comedy, especially I say I get, I'm a big improv geek. I don't know what's going to happen. And I like that. I like that. I don't I like again, that's the type of doctor. I, I'm a chaos doctor. Like when stuff is on fire and people are crying, I'm like, this is so awesome. I love it. Like, let's just <laughs> I'm live a, in this chaos. I think I'm an adrenaline junkie. I think that's more my it's kind of the same. Not quite the chaos, but the adrenaline. But yeah, the. Yeah. the the online, so I was doing stand-up comedy and then kind of went online. And the Zoom comedy is like, it's super weird because it's not, it, you just like you're talking to yourself and like, there's this whole thing about you're supposed to like not step on your laughter and wait for the laughter. But if you can't hear it, like it's just, so I haven't been doing as much. I'm going to try to get back into it. But lecturing is the same, right? Because when you're lecturing, there's a, there's feedback from the audience when you're in a room with people and now we're on Zoom, I don't know. I find it really challenging. I just, I just spoke for uh, our surgery conference and no, no disrespect. Cause I love the ACVS, but they shut down the chat and you couldn't see anybody. Oh, and it was all, so it was just me. And I actually had jokes. So I was just, oh, <laughs> it was like, yeah. Do you want to hear one of my jokes? That is so hard. It is so hard. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to tell I, you my joke. Do you want to hear it? Cause yeah, of course I, do. I need, I need someone to react to it. I thought it was really funny. So I was, I was talking about a case and this dog is named Dum Dum, okay. and came in is that for the like joke? a. Please God, don't want that. Please don't that's not that a joke. joke. Okay, okay, okay good. Oh, there's more. Okay, all right, all right, I'll listen. So the dog came in for this tumor problem, but also part of the history was this dog used to drink beer, to the point of being drunk. Okay. This is part of the history, and I don't know if this is redundant, Andy, but this was when I was working at the University of Florida. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I think it's funny, but I basically just told that joke to myself, and then I was just like. This is so weird. And ACBS is not really a forum for like, you know, I'm definitely the odd ducky, uh, you know, because like my two wonderful colleagues went ahead of me with like really serious presentations that I'm like, you know, I've got a meme of Brett Kavanaugh saying I like beer. And then I'm like, you know, telling jokes. And I was but the, just to myself. Yeah. It's hard on Zoom. I, well, it is hard on Zoom. I will tell you that I have found that if I can crack myself up, other people always laugh, you know, like even That's, if they're just yeah. laughing at me, cracking myself up, like they, I, I get a laugh. So I feel good. Yeah. But man, that feeling, I know exactly what you're talking about. I use the chat box all the time. Like I just talk to people Ooh. in the chat and like, I get this immediate feedback and I'm like, tell me what's going on. Have you guys ever seen this? And like, I really like that interaction, especially when I can't see them. I need that stupid little chat box. And so I just lean hard yeah. into it. But that um, is really good for the introverts too. Because, oh yeah, oh, you know, definitely. you and I could never relate to this, but there's people who don't want to put their hand up in an, in a lecture hall and yeah. draw attention to themselves and ask maybe a you know they think it's a stupid question even though it's probably not. It's probably a great question, but mm -hmm. they won't do it. And so it it means the extroverts take up all the space in a lecture. Whereas if you have a chat box, like you know, they can those people can can kind of I, I don't know. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I I, I agree. Know. I completely agree. I I think that that's something that's going to come. Like the technology is there. We just have to sort of figure out the technology is there. I, I think I have to put in some legwork on this, but I completely agree, especially in a big room. If you have something that people can, uh, can text into their phone, like what they want to ask, yeah. you will yeah. get so many more questions. Cause the number of people who are willing to raise their hand in front of 500 other people and ask you a question, it's pretty limited. Like, you know, I'm pretty extroverted. Uh, that scares me. Um, 
Yeah, I think you're worried how it's going to sound. And I think also some, like, they may not be that some of those questions are self-serving. Like, this is my favorite, like, more of a comment than a question. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, no, no. <laughs> like, any questions? Like, when, when people <laughs> do that. I, 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 vis- I visited a, a, pre, uh, a pre-kindergarten class about two weeks ago for career day. And the, and the teacher's like, who has a question? And like hand, all the hands went up and she was like, now remember, a question has an answer that comes to it because you want to learn something. And oh, I was I like, start saying that when I, when I do, yeah. Oh, but it was just like, you know, I don't know if you ever, if you ever talked to like kindergartners, you're like, any questions? And someone goes, I have a cat. I have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'll forgive the pre-kindergarten. Oh, like, God, they, yeah, of course. They're, they're amazing. <laughs> but the dude is just going to get up and tell you like, well, this is how I do my cancer surgeries. What do you think <laughs> of this? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstood. I what wanted do you a think question. Of this? It's the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could screen those out and like give the give the introverts a little air. That's what I think. But yeah, no, that that's funny. That's actually something with uh, with the Zoom calls and things. I I have really learned a lot. Is man, giving people time to to type and submit things that way, like you you draw out a lot more. But oh, back back to your point. The um. When you're when you, when you're doing a presentation and you can't see the audience and you get to a joke that has a punchline, that is the most awkward feeling in the world. And it's like a spare, I hardly know her. <laughs> it's just crickets, and you're like, uh, yeah, uh. yeah. That's where I found the stand-up comedy on Zoom really hard. Like, <laughs> it's just. I don't know. And then I was watching like famous comedians do it. And it, and, and even at the beginning, you know, I think everyone's learning, but it wasn't that, like, I was like, Oh, they're not like, mm-hmm. they're not even that good. I'm like, well, I am definitely not doing this. Cause it's, it's really hard. It's just a different, it's just a different form. Right. Just like you said, like the lecture in the lecture hall and the lecture on zoom, they're not the same thing. Well, it's, it's one of those things, again, it pushes you to be really good. Where it's like, if I was going to do a virtual presentations, things like that, I'll, you know, you've got to pick your jokes, right? You can't do one that's got a classic punchline where you're, and you like wait for the laugh. Like you can't, it's got to be, it's got to be deadpan. You know what I mean? Or it's got to be one of those ones where you just kind of roll on past it as if it wasn't a joke. And you know what I mean? You know, those ones where you, you, you say something funny and you just keep going. And about 30 seconds later, somebody goes, did she say that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's how you have to play it. But it's um, I mean, just it goes back to Matt, you know, matching matching your form and, and sort of comedy. Comedy is an art. But I do. I do love it. I, I, I think it's so important to laugh. I think it's so important to, to have shared jokes and inside jokes that uh, that, you know, that make people kind of feel connected. I just I, I just love it a lot. So uh, your book is Lucky Dog. You are practicing outside Toronto right now. Yep. Yep. And yep. W- w- and uh, your website, which I, it's honestly, I swear, is probably my favorite thing on social media right now, which is a low bar, but uh, but I do love it. It's probably my favorite thing on social media right now is Cage Liner. Um, super fun stuff. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Uh, do you do you do the Twitter with Cage Liner? Uh, you know, I did that. 
I don't know. Like, is Twitter safe to go back to? Does anyone know? I've been I've been afraid. It's been uh, kind of an yeah. angry place. So I think things go on Twitter, but I don't really go on the Twitter. I think it just gets pushed there. But I I'm think hoping, I, I think I, I have maybe, it too. Maybe Twitter will come been, back. I yeah. may have been auto tweeting on Twitter for the last seven years. I'm not sure. I'll have to I'd have to log in. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I I think it goes to Twitter. But yeah, Cageliner. Um, no, thanks for saying that. It's it's uh you know sometimes I I'm like oh is this still funny but then I'll get one that I can see people um ah, just reacting to like probably the best reaction is when it's like the LOL sob because <laughs> you know oh. LOL <laughs> sob I'm like well, I think that's good that's yeah. a good reaction because it's think, like yeah I think that is if you had to sum up cage liner. <laughs> <laughs> like, LOL that's an LOL sob. Like, I'm looking right now. Dog breeders with 20 years of experience to be recognized as doctors finally. <laughs> I'm like, LOL sob. Like, yeah. oh, so funny. I can't even take credit for the headline. That wasn't mine, but it was a good one. Yeah, it was a good. I just don't want to take credit for things that aren't mine. But yeah, I had two colleagues working with me on that. And then I think they lost interest in the project. It, yeah. That's what I think happened. Yeah, well, it's okay. It happens. I mean, that totally happens. You know, it, it's like it's like with anything that we do. That's that's creative. I, I think so. So let's let's unpack this just a little bit, um, because I see this a lot. I think we live in a world where people feel like in a world people feel like they're judged by their hobby and their success in their hobby. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. is like nobody can be cool. Just like I go to open mic night every now and then, and that, and I have a great time, and I laugh, and I'm good, and I'm good. It's like everyone feels like if you tell people that you do stand up. You better be killing it, and you yeah, better like, continue to make it. At some point, you go, you know what I did? I did stand up for, I did some open mics. You know what I mean? I got, I booked some stage time, and then I was just kind of done. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I do it to myself though. I, um, okay. I don't know. To, I don't, this is kind of weird to talk about this. Okay, so I, for for some reason that I, you know, I can't talk about it right now. But for some reason, I was looking at my high school marks. I graduated in 1990. Yeah. I had really high marks, like really high. Yeah, like 90, I, I had 90s. And like, I didn't, I was not the kid that, I didn't get anything for that from my parents. Like, you know what I mean? That was just yeah. like, that was, that's, yeah, that was kind they, of like expected. Did they like, ask you why you didn't get 95s? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, where, you know, I, well, yeah, where, where's the other 4% or what, you know, why didn't, yeah. <laughs> Totally. And I was like, I was like, I was talking to my mom. I was like, why didn't I get more credit for this? Like, why would I have friends who would get like money for a B and I'm like, why, what's going on here? So I think like, Where's you know, and I think money, a lot of vets, yeah, I want my, what's the money. So no, but I just think it's always like, you can't, you, you can't be just a vet. You have to be a specialist. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's like this constant, or you have to be a practice owner or you have to, I don't know. Like, it's just, it, it, I don't, I think for a lot of veterinarians and I'm going to include myself in that, like, I can't just do comedy. I can't just write a book. You know, my book was a bestseller for three weeks. And then when mm -hmm. it dropped off the bestseller list, my dad, who I love, but he called me said, what happened? Like, You're like, you just didn't have four weeks in me. Daddy. I don't know. Like, like Malcolm Gladwell. Actually, that, yeah. It was Malcolm Gladwell pushed me right off. But I, you know, I, oh my God. but I think, yeah. Like we're always doing that. And so like, have I, do I have four names for my upcoming Netflix specials in my phone? Yeah, I do, Andy. Yes, uh, I do. Yes. Because, I, but you know, you always sort of have that, but then I think you do, you know, my husband's good at grounding me because he's always like, but it's just a hobby, right? And I'm like, yeah, 
I say that to my wife all the time. Like, this is a hobby, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're not trying to go to the Olympics for weightlifting in your 40s? And she's like, no, maybe, no, no. You just decided to pick this up and try it, right? Yeah. It's good to have someone to ground you and remind you that it's just, it's okay. It could just be fun. It could just be something you love. I I suck at that. I totally suck at that. I I think the, the big part of it, I see this a lot, it gets at it as like, we have this problem of comparing ourselves to the ideal and not to the past, right? So I'm yeah. like, oh man, I have not done anything, you know, in comedy outside the state of South Carolina. And I, sh- and like, as opposed to being like, dude, you get on stage once a week and make people laugh just because you can, you know, like, and and when you started, you were terrified, and now you're not. Like that's I, I never look at the latter. I only look at the former and go, definitely not a successful comedy career, Andy. Like, well, that's a, okay. Yeah, but I think we I think we do it to ourselves. We kind of do it to each other because people will sort of ask me like, where are you going with it? And I don't even know like when when can you call yourself a stand up comedian? I don't really know. Like I do it. Yeah. I, I don't know. But then I'm like, am I? I. I don't know. Like, you know, I make 20 bucks sometimes, sometimes 50. I would say that you have broken, like, I would say that you have broken the wall and been paid for comedy. I don't think I've, I don't think I've broken that wall. I mean, I think that that you, like you officially count as professional when you took that $20. But it's weird though, because the comedy community can be a little, it's a funny community which, so is the veterinary community. I was going to say, it's just like the vet community, yeah. Well, a little bit, like pretty competitive. A little, you know, there's like mm-hmm. this weird kind of competitiveness, and I think I don't know, I think that's not a that's not a great thing about our profession. So we're a little <laughs> we can be a little competitive with each other. I don't think that's I think we could, you know, work on that as a group. Well, we could I we think, could help each other more. I think that one of the one of the things about comedy is also true about vet medicine is that uh, people make this their self identity. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people who are like, I am a comedian. That is what I am. And people are like, I am a veterinarian. That is what I am. And once you tie yourself into this, like my self identity is tied to, um, to whether or not I use antibiotics in a specific type of case, like that's not a good place to be, but a lot of us live there. Oh, I totally live there. I don't even know. Yeah, I cannot separate myself from that, from being a veterinarian. Really? I don't know. I've, I've worked Yeah, I really on. can't. I don't know. Maybe that I, yeah, I can't. I, I it's, yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the reasons, I, I just, I, I feel like it's one of the big boundary reasons for us is like, and it also goes back to the, to the reviews and stuff, right? I, I, I think, yeah. I think the biggest power move that you can make today as a veterinarian is to say veterinarian is what I do and it's not who I am. And like, oh, what a big like flex that is if you can do it. Because you take away power that people have over you all the time. You know what I mean? You're like, I mean, yeah, this is how I do it. I'm willing to learn more. You do it differently. You, you don't like, you know, you, you have cr- criticism of how I do it. That's fine. Tell me your criticism because I want to get better. And, I, and, 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 and you know, this is just what I do from nine to five. Like, I think yeah. that there's power there. Okay, no, I like that. I see your power. I, you know what I think is the best power move? What's and that? I do it now. Like yes. firing clients. Fire them. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's not a joke. It's totally no. serious. Just be like, yeah, 
kind of like that client who's like, I've been going here for four years and I hate them. Like, <laughs> let me release you from that. You know, like, like, I think we don't do that enough. It's not really comical, but like, I just think, okay, this is what happened. Okay. This happened. I don't know how I can tell the story, but like my husband's a large animal veterinarian. He's a veterinarian for a large farm and he takes care of the horses that are owned by the owner of the farm, but there's also boarding horses that he doesn't take care of and they have their own veterinarians. Mm -hmm. But one of them was having an issue and they called. And the reason they called him was because they had fired, they had fired their veterinarian. Like the, mm -hmm. so people that were boarding the horses and I'm like, you don't get to fire me. Like I fire you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. my power move. Like the veterinarian, this equine veterinarian, like they, they don't work for that person. They work for themselves or they work for their hospital. Right. And a client yeah. doesn't fire you. So that's my power move, Andy. I, like I, you just say I, to them, well, like that lady who was like, oh, you can take out the spleen, but not the pyometra uterus. Yeah. Like that's what you're allowed to do. I was like, oh no. Like we're, <laughs> so I think like there is power in that too. Oh, the, I think, I think, no. But, so I think you're total. I think you're totally, totally right. And when, when we say things like that, like, oh, the power move is to be able to fire veterinarians. I don't think you have to fire them, but I do think that you have to believe in your soul that you can fire them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I think that whenever people like, whenever people feel that they cannot, they could never do that. Then they, they feel trapped. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. I cannot, I am beholden to these people. And this is a one way relationship. It's like, I, I firing client is, is super, super, super rare for us. For, yeah. for, for for me personally, but it's definitely not off the table. And as a result, like I don't feel trapped. And, and I think, you know, I, the way that you sort of say that, I think, I think there's so much enlightenment there in the idea, like to be happy in business for me, where I have to get is to the place where I say, I will tell you what, what, what I will do and you can do it or you cannot do it. That's fine but you're not going to make me do something that I don't want to do. And you're not going to be abusive to me. Like you're just, you're yeah. just not. Yeah. And I have found also when you take that position, people tend to respect that position very much, but you also feel like, you know what, I'm going to go in, I'm going to take care of these people. Um, I'm going to tell them what I think I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to do my best job, but ultimately I'm going to tell them what I think that they should do and they can do it or they cannot do it. And, you know, um, but, and you're not going to, you're not going to abuse me. You can go somewhere else yeah. and that's okay with me. Um, that is enlightenment in a lot, a lot of ways. Yeah. And it is, I guess we're supposed to be talking about humor, but it is kind of the humor because you can kind of lighten it up a bit. Like it's not so dire, you know, you can just not do surgery on that dog. It's okay. Like, you know, they can like, yeah, yeah it's okay. Like, it's fine. You know, like that, that's, that's good. And, and uh, yeah, I had a client that, I don't know, I did a biopsy on their dog. Their dog needed an amputation for a sarcoma. And then the dog chewed open the incision and she was, I don't know what happened. You know, sometimes you just have these weird, like, I don't know. It happens sometimes like the pheromones are off between the people and I, she just didn't, it wasn't jiving. I don't know if she was rude or what happened on emergency. I just don't know, but something really bad interaction. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she was complaining and the merge doctors were upset and she was like, Oh, but you're good. Like I want, I still want you to do the surgery. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. Like, I don't, this was a biopsy and this happened. I'm like, I don't think this is the right hospital for you. And the owner's like, but I want you to do it. I was like, yeah, but I'm, I know <laughs> like, you need to trust me <laughs> and the facility and the people that support me. Like, so you just have to go, I'm going to refer you to somewhere else. And that was, that mm -hmm. was it. And, I, but I think it kind of shocked this client. She's like, you don't, but 
was like, yeah, it's just, we have to have the trust. Right. And I think you do have to sort of be ready to just say, yeah, that's okay. Like go go somewhere else. If you don't like it here, that's, it's totally fine. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if you go get your haircut somewhere and you don't like the haircut, you go somewhere else. Like it's not, we just need to chill out about it a bit and kind of just be like, okay, whatever. And, and if clients are getting told they can't go to lots of vets, like it might sort of teach them that they need to be respectful to us as a group. You know, they can't treat all these front desk staff and technicians and veterinarians this way. They can't, they need to, you know, I don't know. It's my mission to train these people. Oh yeah, no. I, the the analogy in my head, like we're 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 way out of time. Like, okay. like the, the analogy, but here's the, the analogy in my head that comes up so often in life is in life is like um, it's like it's like dating, right? And um, if you are the needy person who's like, can I make you happy? What do you need from me? Like, oh yeah, you can be mean to me, and I'll you know it, it's okay. I mean, I understand you had a hard day. You know, like nobody wants to be with that person, the person and the person who's like, look, I am doing things. I'm super busy. I've got a lot of great stuff going on. I'm having fun. I enjoy what I do. I would love to be with you if you want to be with me, like, but I'm going to go do this thing and you can get on board and we can hang out or or not. (laughs) Because if you're not like, because I'm going like, come and be a part of this or don't like the second person is so attractive. You know, they're like. Like they've got their own thing. They're just going, I, you know, like I want to be there. The person who's like, please, please make me tell me I'm useful to you. Like that's not <laughs> hot at all. No, so. I don't, I don't know. What is this dating you speak of Andy? I know. I well, know. I, it's, it's been, a, I, I read about it. Um, I've heard, but, you know, I've been with my husband longer than there's been like almost lot. Okay. We have been together for almost as long as email. And longer than than uh, like this this online dating these kids are doing. So oh yeah yeah. Oh me so too like, yeah me too. I am yeah. uh, so I, I am rapidly coming up on the line where I have been married longer than I was single. But um yeah. but no but but my point is. But no I I know that, I don't in that way like the client's behavior will change to you. You know what I mean? Like if you're like look we're it's like um. It's it's like in uh in Seinfeld, like the soup Nazi, and, and everyone is like, just do exactly what he says because he'll kick you out of here. Like like no space for you. People will be like, please. Can you imagine? Like, you can, can you imagine? Oh my God, that's a good improv skit. We should do that. Absolutely, we'll work on it. Well, okay. Sarah Boston, thanks for being here. Where can people find you online? Uh, drsarahboston.com or Instagram is at drsarahboston, Facebook. Twitter that I don't go on, but I think I'm there. Yeah. It's all very simple. It's all Dr. Sarah Boston. It's all you got to know. Awesome. Well, thanks for being (laughs) here, my friend. I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for having me. That's our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you did, please share it with your friend. Please do me a favor and do all the things that podcasts ask you to do, like review on iTunes and, uh, you know, just uh, shout it out from the rooftops and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, Thanks for being here. I uh, God, I love making these podcasts, and I'm I'm so glad that you guys listen to them and enjoy them. Take it easy. I will see you next week. Bye. Oh man! All right. I am so excited. We have so much good stuff coming up in Charted. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we've got coming up? Heck yeah. 
Uh, first things up is my personal branding talk. I'm talking about marketing for uh, veterinarians or people who want to grow their relationships with uh, with pet owners, honestly. So that's uh, that's the big thing. If you have any interest in uh, in social media and blogging, podcasting, writing, uh, things like that, then this would be a great workshop for you. It is uh, free to our members. It is 99 bucks for the public, which is a super steal. It's two hours. It's on March 28th. And then, Stephanie Goss, we have the big daddy, the April Uncharted Conference. This is the granddaddy of them all. It's our marketing strategy <laughs> conference. This is the one that started them all. It is virtual this year. Mm-hmm. It is going to be all about simplifying and streamlining your communications to do more with what you already have. That is going to be April 22nd through the 25th. Uh, is registration is now open. We will put links for all of this down in the show notes. So excited. 